Hello and welcome to episode Alex Picard of the Cosmo Pointcast. I'm your co-host Trevor Shackles of Hockey Buzz, joined as always by my fellow co-host Colin Cudmore of Silver Seven Sens. Colin, how's the spring treating you so far? It's been a nice spring so far. Went to uh, see some tulips in Ottawa today. Um, Eric Carlson's still in the playoffs, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is he though? He's pretty much like, you know, on not even any legs at this point, really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he missed the third period yesterday, but uh, um, he's still holding up. San Jose is, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, it, it's hard to cheer between them and St. Louis. I'm kind of uh, rooting for both at the same time, if that's possible, but uh, yes, yeah. kind of been uh, <laughs> the spring so far. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd be fine with either of them uh, as long as they beat Boston. So, um, But yeah, today we have another awesome guest with us. Um, one who is making his Cosper Pointcast debut, and that is Henry Brown, who runs the Sense Prospects Twitter and YouTube accounts. Um, Henry's just been an amazing resource for people interested in Sense Prospects, so we're really happy to have him on today. Uh, Henry, how's it going? Doing great, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. You know, um, first time, uh, first time guest, long time listener. So yeah, great to make an appearance. Yeah, yeah we appreciate for joining it. us today. And so obviously today we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of various prospects here at the Sense system, and hopefully we can touch on a decent amount of them. First of all, we just wanted to go through the system and give out some um, some awards for the season, I guess, um, different titles um, for some prospects. Or, uh, some are more like just accomplishments. So I think the first thing that we want to touch on today is uh, there's been lots to talk about, but uh, let's start with the MVP award. So which prospect at any level do you think had the best season? It was it was a great season to be in the prospect business. I gotta say, uh, even though you know things weren't always uh, the best up in Ottawa. Um, so I'll start out with a couple shoutouts. I mean, you gotta you gotta gotta give uh, a nod to Brady Kachuk for his kind of unreal debut in the NHL. All things considered, absolute bright spot of the season up in the NHL. Um, and I also think uh, Eric Brandstrom put up an insane season, really, for a teenager defenseman in the American Hockey League, but. You know, the bulk of that was with another organization in uh, Vegas' system with Chicago. Only joined Belleville for, um, you know, just under 10 games towards the end of the year. So I think uh, the the best prospect in the Sen system last season has to have been Drake Batherson. Yeah, totally. Like, from what he accomplished on Belleville, it was really exciting. And um, with Kachuk in the NHL and Batherson in the AHL, um, even someone else to look at, uh, as, as kind of this second level guys, there's Colin White, who's also had quite the season in the NHL, and then Logan Brown as well as a center um, with Batherson in the AHL. It'll be uh, definitely interesting to see um, what all of these guys together can do in the NHL next year. So totally there. I like that you jumped on Logan Brown too, because I think in a lot of other circumstances, his rookie pro season in a lot of other organizations actually stands out a lot more than it did uh, in the than it you know in the kind of crowded Ottawa system this year where we had a, you know the benefit of a lot of prospects kind of popping off and yeah Batherson I mean going from a fourth round pick to the all-star of the AHL or uh, sorry the MVP of the AHL all-star game um, you know he's player of the week uh, a few times in the AHL and made like an immediate impact uh, in, in with his NHL debut wowing guys like Matthew Shane on the bench kind of thing so um, I, you can't you couldn't even begin to ask for even a fraction of that at the start of the year so so what a stud now, there was obviously a lot of um, great prospect seasons for, for the Senators, like you were saying. Um, but who would you say that was the biggest riser in the farm system this season? So somebody whose stock really went up from September until now. Yeah, and I think you could even look at 
look at that answering that question as um, sort of from a positional lens, and it's I think goaltending saw the biggest rise in the system. Uh, when I uh, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely Joey Decord. Uh, most fans, you know, casual fans probably didn't know who he was going into this season. And then mm-hmm. what a storybook year, you know, taking ASU to their uh, NCAA tournament uh, debut, uh, made his first appearance in the NHL. Um, you know, he was arguably the top, one of the top goalie prospects uh, who wasn't playing pro this season anywhere, um, which, so, I mean, that was incredible. And and then look at Marcus, Marcus Hogberg, what he did down in Belleville, uh, plus making his NHL debut. That's, it's quite a turnaround from from where things looked in the system um, back in August. For sure, and yeah, we're, we're, we'll touch on this a bit more later. But uh, it's, it's it's amazing what um, how much depth the Sens goaltending situation has has earned in the past year just from internal growth. Um, I guess looking at other positions, I think um, one player that stood out to me personally, I think, was was Jack Rodewald, who um, put up a surprising amount of points in, in the AHL, and, and considering he was someone who just uh, a couple of seasons ago, was brought up just from the ECHL. I'm wondering what your thoughts might be on him and whether he actually has a chance to go even even higher in the system. I think I think Rodewald's a really great, uh, just a great story, right? Like you said, a guy who who worked his way up from. Uh, I think he was crushing it with Wichita in the ECHL. Caught on with Binghamton. Um, you know, classic late bloomer. Don't think he was drafted. Uh, it's been too bad that I think he's been hurt twice in the NHL during a couple of his maybe three or four brief recalls. Um, but he's shown that it's not, it hasn't been just a fluke, right? It's now, I think three seasons in a row where he's constantly putting the puck in the back of the net and, uh, you know, being a responsible player defensively from, from all indications of what I've seen. So um, kind of, uh, I think he's just kind of in a, in a tough spot when again, Ottawa's got such depth with their forward prospects and he, you know, you, you got to think that there's got to be some internal favoritism to the guys that you draft and develop versus these guys who get signed on as, uh, you know, undrafted uh, free agents, get brought into the system when you're kind of weighing one of two. You know, if things aren't, um, you know, if you're looking at marketing lens up in Ottawa, well, do you call up the hot prospect or kind of the sort of guy who's grinded it out in the AHL? It can be tough on him, but uh, I, I definitely think he deserves uh, a little more love and good on you for, for highlighting him there, Colin. Yeah, and of course, with every riser, there's usually also a follower or two. Uh, mm-hmm. Which player would you consider this season's most uh, disappointing performance? Good, that man, that's a really good question. Um, it's got to say, you know, just being wrapped up in this um, Ottawa 67's playoff run um, and seeing how Ty Felliber performed as one of the top overage prospects, it's hard not to think back to um last season when Aaron Luchuk was absolutely destroying the uh, Ontario Hockey League for half the season playing with Andrei Sveshnikov and then for him to you know really didn't show a whole lot in his first year of pro I mean tough start I think he missed the first few weeks with a concussion and was down in Brampton never really seemed to find find a good place but you know for a guy who, who had you know well over 100 points in the OHL last year and was um, you know, he was sought after by a number of teams. That that was pretty disappointing, I thought, up front. And um, it's it's hard to see what happened with Johnny Tyconic at uh, UND as well. I mean, um, pretty hyped to get, you know, it's like, oh, man, he fell in the second round. Uh, offensive defenseman um, could be an absolute steal playing with JBD. And then he only had, what, four or five assists, I think, missed a couple months. So 
you know, bo- both those guys, it's almost like their stock this season was establishing their stock. So if, if anything, maybe there are a couple buy, good buy low candidates right now. But um, those are two guys that, that kind of jumped to my mind when you when you mention up sort of biggest falls in the system. What about someone like um, Andreas Englin? I mean, coming into the season, he wasn't really much of a prospect um, and he's an RFA this summer. I mean, do you think there's any chance that he doesn't even get qualified? Because I know um, he, he got a cup of coffee at the end of the season in Ottawa, and I, I believe it was Troy Mann who was saying that he was, uh, I think, one of their most improved players or, or something like that. He was, he was um, you know, he was singing his praises. But uh, to me, he doesn't really seem like he's much of a prospect anymore. I mean, do you, do you think that there's any chance that he's even like a, like a bottom pairing defenseman in the NHL at some point? Yeah, what an interesting player too, right? Like think back, he was drafted in the second round. I remember the Senators saying, "Great, this is a guy who could have been a first round um, pick by a number of other teams." So he's, you know, came in pretty high, definitely, you know, marketed as a defensive defenseman, and that's kind of kind of lived up to that. Um, I I watched a lot of Belleville Senators hockey this year. Shout out to. AHL TV for really improving <laughs> that service and just making it so much more of an enjoyable experience. But when doing so, I kept being like, what is, and, and I, I'm sure, you know, if you guys watch some of this and Spencer, who is doing some of the coverage as well, uh, of the B-Sends would be the, the play-by-play guys were always hyping up England and how the, you know, it was like they were echoing stuff that, that, that and I'm like, how, how, how are you like, what game are you guys watching? I, I don't see it. He, he, he doesn't have good foot speed, good mobility. Um, to me, that's just it's a big red flag in, in the way that the, the game is going these days. So, um, you know, maybe he's got these internal sort of advocates. I think that, you know, maybe there's there's something more there than we that we don't see. But personally, I, I really don't don't see it. And I, I was pretty surprised that he got the call at the end of the year. It, it was almost like maybe he was okay to take out of Belleville's lineup in those critical right. games, toss him a bone up in the NHL, then, you know, maybe he's gone, but who knows? So do you think that they'll, uh, they'll give him a qualifying offer this summer or do you think he's, he's kind of done? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be, it's a tough question. I mean, if, if I'm in charge, you know, I'm saying probably it's time to cut and move, move on. Given the look that he got at the end of the season, that he seems to have some love within the organization, I think a safe bet would to say he's staying. You know, Belleville's building a little bit of a Team Sweden thing going on down there with, uh, you know, they just signed the other defenseman out of the Swedish Hockey League, Oli. Uh, his last name's escaping me. All so an A. All Sing, exactly. Thank you. Um, you know, they're, they're potentially in on maybe another Swedish free agent kind of thing. So there could be something to keeping a guy around. Uh, like England, who's been in the AHL for a few years, could mentor those guys. Um, you could be, you know, we could be going back to like 2013 lockout era when I think there are five or six Swedes down in Binghamton with Peterson, Silverberg, Zabanajad, Clayson, Laner, that kind of thing. If Belleville's trying to reproduce that, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, that's a bit of a rambling answer, but um, kind of gives you an idea of all the different things that I, I'd be considering and in, in thinking about that problem. Yeah, and the one thing that stood out to me is that he actually won the coach's choice award at the end of the season. So, um, <laughs> uh, especially if Troy Mann stays around in Belleville and, and doesn't get the Sens coaching job, I think uh, yeah. uh, he'll probably have a big say in keeping him on the roster for next year. Yeah, and and one thing too, I I want to point out is you know if we're talking about sort of fallers in the system, it's it is inter- you know the 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 beauty of the prospects is look at 
kind of probably how a lot of people were feeling about a guy like Marcus Hogberg or Colin White after last season to how you're feeling about them now, you know? So a lot can change in a season, and I'd say more of that's more for those first two guys I touched on, less so for the England, but, uh, you know. Now, out of anyone in the entire system, who would you say has the highest ceiling? So someone who has the potential to be a real true impact player for the Senators. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you got a wealth of options of guys whose last names start with B. (laughs) Um, You know, Batherson, Brown, Brandstrom. um, (laughs) Absolutely. Balsers, Bernard Docker. You got a nice list of Bs there. I'd go with Eric Brandstrom, really. Um, You know, he's getting, maybe it's just the Ottawa uh, familiarity slant, you know, comparables to Eric Carlson. They have the same first name. They spell it the same way. They're from the same place. Um, watching a lot of playoff hockey lately, um, and having read, you know, a, a, a variety of, of kind of scouting reports on Brandstrom from what I've seen of him my, myself, I, I'd like them more to a Tory Krug type player, perhaps. I mean, those guys, you know, they're both smaller D-men. They're both left-hand shots. Not saying that they're, uh, they're one for one, like some prospects and current players are, but, um, he's got something, something really special about him that, uh, I don't think anyone else in the York can touch right now. And now what about, um, I mean, you, you briefly mentioned Drake Batherson as well, and, and um, you're just saying how of an amazing season he had. What kind of ceiling do you think he has? Because I think there's, I don't know, there, there's a bit of a, a mix in opinion. I mean, some people uh, are saying that he's going to be like a, a real true top line talent. Um, but I don't know, like to me, I think he's going to at least be a, a solid top nine guy but do you think he can actually be maybe 60 70 point player yeah absolutely i'm all in on drake batherson sold on him if i if i could buy shares in him i would mm-hmm. um i think uh you know his skating hasn't always been the best it's been improving um you know we we were lucky enough to get to see a number of years of a mark stone type player i know those guys don't grow on trees but the comparable stands that you know they're not the greatest skaters they can improve and they've just got this insane hockey sense mixed with some amazing, you know, they got the vision, the passing, the shot. Um, I definitely think Drake Bradison is a guy who can uh, one day be even an NHL all-star. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on him as well. Um, but I, I still think that Brandstrom's almost in that, that class above. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's really, really can't go wrong with either, either of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows, maybe even in a 2020 draft, they can even add just that elite tier. But uh, uh, so there's so many prospects in the system. There's bound to be a, a few that slip by the casual fans. Um, so of course you've been doing an amazing job this season, keeping us up to date on everyone. But uh, who would you consider to be the Sens' most underrated prospect? Oh, thanks. Um, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's underrated, but I don't think he uh, gets enough love. And it's a real bummer that Jacob Bernard Docker did not make the U20 Canadian team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have put him in front of a lot more eyeballs, gotten people a lot more. It's hard to be when a guy who's not, you know, jumping off the page with offensive stats. Um, it, he does a lot of things that don't really, you know, translate well to watching quick highlights and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the fact that he can jump from junior A hockey to the NCAA as an 18-year-old, uh, be a top four D-man there, borderline top two at times, and on a team that actually wasn't that good, I know... UND has this reputation and 
you know, history of being a phenomenal program. But this year was a bit of an off year. They really weren't a, a very strong team, um, which meant he didn't have a lot of, um, you know, they couldn't really isolate or shield him from much. So, um, you know, I think the Sens have a really, really good player there, you know, not to mention being, a, um, you know, a defenseman too. So uh, that's that's who I think is, is you know, would, would be the most underrated prospect right now in the org. It's kind of interesting because he's a right-handed shot and, I mean, Ottawa is just incredibly thin on the right side organizationally. Um, I mean, right now they got Cody Ceci and, and Jason, or sorry, not Jason, I was going to say Jason Demers, I meant uh, Dylan DeMello. Um, and yeah, so it, it's almost like they really need him, uh, Bernard Docker, that is, to to turn out because besides that, I mean, it doesn't look like they're having, uh, they have that many right-hand options for the future. Yeah, even the, the new Oli uh, Elsing from Sweden, another left-handed D added to the mix. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm all for drafting best player available, at, you know, in the entry drafts. But I'm really hoping there's not uh, a left-hand D man coming up uh, with some yeah. of the early picks in the in the 2019 draft. Mm-hmm. Now, in in terms of next season, um, who's someone that you're most excited to watch, uh, whether that be in the NHL or other leagues like the AHL or SHL or whatever? Yeah, good good on you for touching on the SHL too because after the uh, the trade deadline, I was really keen to watch Jonathan Davidson play over in Sweden. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, he was concussed a day or two after um, the Sens acquired him from Columbus. I hope he's recovered from that. The uh, you know the the reports that I was reading out of Sweden during the playoffs were pretty concerning and sort of strange. Maybe that was just a lost in translation thing, but. You know, it was the second time last season that he missed time with a concussion. Um, you, you don't want a guy getting a, a history of that. But, um, you know, if he's recovered, uh, you know, he it sounds like he almost made the Blue Jackets out of training camp last year. Um, and that's a guy that, you know, I don't know really at all yet. So I'm really keen to see him next season. But uh, I think we should also circle back after dev camp this year. And then we can maybe we'd adjust that a bit. But. For now, that's a guy that I kind of have at top of my must-watch list. Yeah, and there's there's a couple other guys I think that are probably worth touching on a bit too. Um, the first is Alex Formington, who who had his uh, um, I I don't know how to put it. It's he had a great year with the London Knights, and the London had a lot of success. Um, uh, maybe his point totals didn't exactly show that, but uh, um, he'll he'll be a rookie pro next year uh, certainly. So. Um, how do you think he's going to slot into the HL roster? Or do you think he could even make a run of the NHL roster next year? I think with his speed, he's always got a shot at making the NHL roster. Let's let's wait and see what other moves happen before um, you know training camp in September to get a better idea of where he might slot. But that's already NHL caliber speed. Um, I'm not sure that he, he will ever kind of develop a real scoring touch. It's possible that that comes around, but... You know, it could be that his main asset is the his speed and his ability to... I mean, we saw it in his nine games with Ottawa. He really seems to have a knack of getting under the skin of opponents, too. Um, and so, you know, when, you've, when you're when you a guy who's not just playing sort of that bottom fourth-line role, who's in that agitator, um, you know, type role, um, I think it could be a pretty uh, lethal combo. I mean, we saw Brady Kachuk execute on that pretty well this year, too, so... Um, yeah, I think there's a chance for Formington to make the NHL last year for sure. Probably we'll see some games, but personally, I think it would be great if he spent more time in the American League to hopefully develop a bit more of that scoring scoring touch. Yeah, for sure. And there, there, I guess there's one other wild card as well. 
uh, who might even we don't know if he's going to turn pro next year, and that's Josh Norris. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, he's, he suffered a, a pretty terrible injury near the end of the, end of the season, and so now um, it's kind of up in the air whether he's going to return to college for another year or not. Um, it, it looks like the Sens' intentions are on signing him, but do you think um, that he'll end up going back for another year, or do you think uh, he'll make his uh, pro debut? And if he makes his pro debut, how do you think he can slot in as maybe a top six center on Belleville, or do you think he'll maybe take some more time? I, I think uh, I'd be all in on betting that he turns pro the send sign on this offseason. Uh, he was hanging around the club uh, the last couple weeks of the season. He was in Ottawa visiting uh, Brady Kachuk. Um, you know, I know that the fact that Pierre Dorian happened to say that after the Carlson trade was an absolute botch and I done it. People love to joke about it, but I think, you know, there is something there that, uh, you know, Brady is like, look, you know, he come to Ottawa, do this stuff. Um, you know, I think uh, the fact that San Jose moved on from Norris probably put a little chip on his, his shoulder. So I'm, I'm pretty keen to um, to see him next year. I absolutely expect it to be as a pro in the Sens organization. Um, it was really impressive to see how he, you know, his first half of the season was um, with the Wolverines in the NCAA as well as Team USA at the World Juniors. So um, definitely a guy that I would be keen to watch next year. You know, probably wouldn't be surprised to see him take sort of a Rudolph Balsers type um, season that he had this year, which is get going in Belleville for a few months. And if things are clicking, he'll get the call up. But also wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, a bit of a slow year. It's an, it's going to be an adjustment jumping from the NCAA to pro and um, you can see that in his first year as an NCAA player, he had a bit of an adjustment period, right? So um, I, I just kind of tamper expectations in that sense. Yeah. So for the the last, I guess, award that we're handing out is for the prospect who is in the most need of taking a big step forward next season, or that be to establish himself as an NHL or AHLer. Uh, which prospect do you think needs to take that next step? Yeah, good question. And I think uh, this is a name that kind of came up when I was mulling over who would be most underrated but um i kind of went back okay let's look around guys that were picked up in the 2015-16 region that's kind of the we're hitting this sort of you know bumper get off the pot range um i think philip chlapic is a name who uh jumps to mind here not that um i think he had uh you know a, a bad season necessarily but there is it's becoming a bit of a log jam up front and um I'm hoping to see him do more in the coming season to kind of showcase that, um, you know, all-around game that I believe he has. Yeah, for sure. And it, it was great seeing that the the, the, the first time that uh, he really needed to take a step forward, he really did take that step forward in the QMJHL. So uh, yeah. maybe he'll do that again uh, this season. But, uh, yeah, it, he's definitely been interesting to watch because he started the season – as Wilkin Brown was injured, he started off the first line center and really seemed to click with, I think it was Balsers and Batherson on his yeah. line. Yeah. And then he got and then he got demoted and didn't uh, necessarily get as much playing time. And, and his point totals are, his points per game, I think, is basically the same as last season. So, um, yeah. He gets, he's one he guy that I've, a lot I've, I've always had pegged. Yeah. He, he's been, he's been ill-timed as well. On a game. Yeah. Um, like he just plays sort of recklessly. Like he's always flying a million miles an hour and just trips right before the boards or gets knocked off balance. And um, so that's a bit of a concern. But yeah, it's, he's not the only injury-prone prospect in the pipeline. But um, what were you going to say there, Colin? You had you had Chlapic pegged as 
or I, I've, I've been watching him for a while. I, I've had him pegged uh, even at the beginning of last season. I thought he was someone who might even have a chance at making the NHL roster just because, uh, especially in development camp, he's always near the top of, of, of the group and really uh, shining shining there. So uh-huh. um, he only got, he did only get five games last year, scored a, uh, scored a goal. But um, uh-huh. uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if he actually gets more consideration. But um, I hope so. Yeah, yeah there, there's, there's going to be quite a few guys ahead of him also competing for spots as well. Now, Henry, would you include Johnny Tyconic in this group as well? You mentioned that he uh, definitely had an underwhelming freshman season. And I mean, I think that's not that's not uncommon for even first round picks to have, uh, you know, subpar uh, seasons, first seasons in, in the NCAA. But do you think that he needs to have at least like a decent season uh, in 2019-20 in order to, uh, you know, keep his status as at least a, a decent prospect? I think so. I'd be concerned. I, I really hope he he pots a goal pretty quickly at UND, get that monkey off his back, and then yeah. um, start moving from there. Right. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what their uh, graduating class looks like, but I think there's going to be an opportunity or two for him to move up the D depth chart after this season. And uh, he's still young, though. So you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. not too uh, I'm not too fussed, especially with the defenseman. Give him some more time, right? Um, you know, it sounds like there's, you know, another year or two of NCAA time, prob- plus probably some AHL seasoning time in his future. So, um, so I'm going to keep an eye on. But again, I, I wouldn't kind of be um, running around with my head cut off if he hasn't really started lighting things up after this coming season. Keep a close eye on him, though, for sure. For sure. So those are all the awards that we wanted to talk about, um, but there are a few other interesting things regarding the system. And one unanswered question right now is what will happen with the goaltenders moving forward? How do you think things will shape out next season with, uh, they got Hogberg, Gustafson, Decord, and then even Mike Condon and Anders Nielsen, uh, potentially if Nielsen stays. So what do you think is going to happen there and what do you think should happen? Yeah, and the great to touch on philip gustafson i actually meant to bring him up when we were talking about the biggest risers in net too just kind of didn't probably didn't have the season that he wanted or um the organization wanted but still uh, a pretty high-end prospect there super young um and then sort of how does that shake out in the uh 2019-20 season well uh probably wouldn't be surprised to see craig anderson back between the pipes up in ottawa Hopefully, looking at Marcus Hoberg, um, backing him up. I think that, uh, you know, we, we heard the rumors of Hoberg's agent um, dangling the Swedish Hockey League uh, around the Ottawa organization. And then when you move down from there, do you do you kind of do something in the American League like we saw this season, uh, where Ottawa brings in a vet and then kind of has this rotation of Augustafson Decord um, backup duo? Uh, I don't know how much of that was... Uh, Randy Lee, who would have probably put that in motion last summer, versus is that something that Troy Mann is comfortable with? Um, and you know, given these names that I'm kind of kind of going over, um, that does I think spell the end for Anders Nielsen in Ottawa. You know, he had a great run while he was here, um, does some great stuff in the community, but I just don't. I think we know what he is. He's sort of a mm-hmm. solid NHL backup. There's a market for that. He can go somewhere else. You know, nice knowing you. And then uh, Mr. Mike Condon, well, maybe he ends up being the that veteran who's in Belleville with the guys. But um, what a like what a wild card, really. Who knows at this point? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of yeah, crazy. There's really I so mean, many moving pieces. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, you know, it's it's great to see it's a position of strength right now. And then, uh, not to mention, I think Kevin Mandelize had a, a really solid end to his season in the queue. So, um, but yeah, looking, you know, look at what they did last year. Wouldn't be surprised if they do something sort of similar with their kind of uh, if they have two younger guys in that uh, in the pro ranks below the NHL. And who knows what they do with the draft? Maybe they take a gamble on Spencer Knight. Maybe that yeah, complicates yeah. things even more. But, uh, uh, so one player we haven't touched on yet um, is Johnny Gruden, who had a pretty underwhelming first year at Miami University. Um, so the Suns then signed him to an entry-level contract, which allowed him to move to the one and Knights next season. Uh, are, are you a fan of the move? Yeah, I mean, I so I try and watch full three to five full games per prospect per season, you know, within the realm of, you know, being reasonable. But... Um, it seemed like every time I tuned into the uh, Miami Redhawks game, they were just getting absolutely wrecked. Uh, they had no possession. They just were not a good team this year. Um, their record reflected it. They did not win a lot of games. And then Gruden, I mean, you know, he was one of the younger, he was a very young player in the in the NCAA, and it just wasn't a, a great scenario for him. He was often playing with a guy whose last name was Melnick, was, which was just an additional mind bender when you're watching <laughs> these games. So... Um, you know, bit of a bit of a you know tough season, I'd say after after you know um, ahead of his draft year, he put up some pretty strong numbers with the U.S. Uh, development program. So um, I'd expect him to kind of bubble up uh, much more to the forefront, playing in London. You know, uh, with a, a, a they're strong, always a strong CHL team should get some some games on Sportsnet that are available nationally in Canada, that kind of stuff. So. Uh, um yeah I'd, I'd expect him to i'd expect we'd have a better idea of what john gruden is as a prospect uh halfway through next season yeah and, and i guess the other small kind of newsy item from the past couple of weeks in regards to is uh parker kelly who's currently playing for the memorial cup with the prince albert raiders uh i believe they're, yeah they're winning 2-1 right now in game two they lost game one to halifax uh, where the hosts um any thoughts on his contribution so far that's great to see. Yeah, I'm going to tune into the uh, the rest of the game uh, after we hop off talking here on Sunday night. Or it's Monday. Sorry, fake fake Sunday. Um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see, right? The, what a story, right? Went from uh, invited to dev camp to invited, undrafted, invited to Sens dev camp, invited to the rookie tournament, uh, invited to main camp, and then uh, gets a contract, you know. Um, he's going to go to, he's going to turn pro next season. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch what is trans- what's the transition like going from this powerhouse uh, Western Hockey League team, you know, Western Hockey League champs. Um, I think they only lost 10 games all season. Just sort of a middle-of-the-pack uh, average AHL team. Um, I'd expect him to, you know, his role would shift as, you know, he was uh, he put up 30 goals this year in the Western Hockey League, um, but he is a strong penalty killer, a strong defensive forward, uh, a bit of, you know, Brendan Gallagher in him in the way that he does agitate um, opponents to that. That's really evident if you ever watch him play. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him take on kind of like a Jean-Gabriel Pajot type role in Belleville next season. So kind of temper, again, temper expectations on the point totals there, but um, different than a guy like Aaron Luchuk, who is going from being the guy in the, you know, in his team in the OHL scoring all the time. I think Parker Kelly is molded uh, a lot better to be a uh, effective contributor as a role player on a team. Now, before we shift to talking about the coach, um, are there any other prospects in the system that we haven't touched on that maybe you want to 
I don't know, let the listeners know about whether it's their, it's their progress, um, positive or negative, or just, you know, <laughs> feel like you want to talk about them? Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, I, I think, uh, I think we did a really good job touching on a lot of different people. Those are, that's good on you guys for asking some smart questions there. Um, I think a pretty hot name, uh, for this type of question, I think would be Angus Crookshank. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Unreal name. Yeah. Um, if he ever makes it to the, to the show, that's gotta be a must buy Jersey. And, uh, <laughs> he really impressed at, uh, university of New Hampshire this season. Right. Um, went on an absolute tear for, from about middle of December to the end of January kind of thing. And then cooled off a bit towards the end of the season, but super, super impressive, uh, NCAA debut season as a, was he a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick yeah, out of the CHL? Fifth. fifth? Yeah. yeah. Round five. So yeah. That's, you know, could be, is that becoming the sense sweet spot of, uh, diamonds in the rough? Who knows? But that's a guy that, uh, seems to be getting on more people's radars if he's not already, Head on over to YouTube, quick little highlight pack over there that people can check out and, uh, you know, get excited about him and, and keep an eye at UNH next season. I think the crazy thing about him is that I believe he only had around a point per game in the BCHL. Um, I mean, for comparison, one of the top prospects in this draft, Alex Newhook, has like almost two points per game and like over 100 points in 53 games. Um, and so, yeah, so like you're saying, for, for Crookshank to you know, have such a good freshman season in college. I think that's incredibly impressive. So yeah, I'm definitely, I've tweeted about him a decent amount of time. So I'm definitely on that train. True. And he's got, he's got that similar or a little bit of parallel to Drake Batherson's arc where he was, uh, he's, he was really small, uh, I think three ish years ago and he's still not the biggest guy, but you know, he's benefited from, um, you know, just kind of filling into a frame. Whereas, uh, he was really behind the curve about two, three years ago. Yeah, I mean, that that happens. I mean, he's yeah. only, is he 19 yet? I mean, he's either 18 or 19, yeah. so still incredibly yeah. young. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, he'll be, tw- be 20 in October already, which is, oh, he really? drafted over, over age or two. So. Okay, I see. Wow. Yeah. Now, so the Sens are obviously about to hire a new head coach any day now. I mean, hell, they could probably hire it the second that people are listening to this tomorrow morning. Um, and Belleville's yep. coach Troy Mann is one of the options for the job. What do you think? What do you think of the job he did for the B Sens? And do you think he'd potentially be a good fit in Ottawa? Yeah, I mean, man, I think Belleville used just under fifty players this year. Um, again, it was great to get to watch a lot more of their games. He was a huge bump over Coach K from last season. You know, wasn't afraid to Massive. shuffle, shuffle, yeah, like not even on the same plane, right? Wasn't afraid to shuffle up his lines if things weren't working. Uh, he played rookies and young prospects in all situations. Um, I think, uh, you know, he gave opportunities to whoever the best players were. You know, wasn't just sort of, you're the vet, you're going to get thrown out there time and time again. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following uh, Mike McKenna, which is just such a throwback to the fact that he was in the Sens or just a few months ago playing <laughs> games, but... He's whipped up a new Twitter account where he just kind of live tweets about games separate from his main account. That's been pretty uh, interesting to follow. I'd recommend checking that out. Kind of fun to to watch along with games as he's got, you know, the guys that have been an absolute suitcase in his pro career. So he's played with so many of these guys still in the playoffs. And he was he was singing Troy Mann's praises uh, a couple nights ago, um, talking about the way Brent Burns was shooting to tip and it was you know related back to something that man had been talking about in his short time with him 
Um, but that kind of echoes everything that that you know seems to be written about Manny. He's a very um, thoughtful coach, well liked by his players, uh, respected by his peers. Uh, you know, lots of shout outs from Barry Trotz when the Caps won the Cup on the development job that he did. So, um, you know, part of me. Part of me is like I, I do like to see I don't really know why the NHL is constantly recycling the same people. So I like the idea of getting yeah. somebody new up in there, especially a guy who has really climbed the, the ranks of, of pro hockey the way that Troy Mann has. Um, that said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, you know, this would be really uh, uh, an opportunity where he's set up to succeed. So um, and, and I kind of liked what he did in Belleville. Uh, given you know what he had to work with, there were just so many injuries, so many call-ups. Um, it was a really admirable job. So I, I, I think just the fact that he's being considered is good uh, for him. Um, probably would say that I'd, I'd probably be more interested in in somebody else coming in um, other than Man. But if if it is between Man and say an NHL coach retread, then why not give it to the new guy? See what's going on now. Now is a good time for Ottawa to try new things, right? Yeah, it, 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 just from the outside, it, it, it seems like a bit of a weird hire just uh, just because of his relation to uh, Chief Amateur Scout Trent Man. It kind of it kind of screams nepotism on the yeah. outside, but uh, at, at the same time, he really has um, paid his dues as an assistant, and uh, now is, is doing his job with Belleville. But uh, uh, of course, a lot will I guess come down to the interviews and seeing how he does. But uh, he definitely has a bit of a leg up now that they've they've seen him for an entire year with Belleville. Uh, I, yeah, so I, I, take him, I would take him over Patrick Waugh. I'll say that. I, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> same here, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it's time we get to our listener questions. We got uh, a few listener questions on our uh, Twitter account at CP Pointcast. If you aren't following us there, you can uh, send us questions anytime or uh, let you know before we're about to record. You can send us some questions. Um, and the first one uh, comes from Stephen Mercer. Uh, who makes the team and who makes the greatest impact? I think he's referring to the uh, NHL team next year. Ooh, that's a good question. I will, uh, I will half dodge the question and give you an answer at each position. Um, and I'd say up front, you're looking at a guy like, uh, let's say Philip Chalapic finally breaks through. Ottawa gives him the shot to see to see whether or not, you know, is this a guy that they can, you know, continue to develop at the NHL level, or is it someone that they need to cut ties with? Um, so let's look at Chalapic up front. On the back end, it's going to be Christian Willanen. I know that's maybe a wishy-washy answer because he spent so much time in Ottawa at the end of the season, but uh, I definitely think that he has benefited from his time down in Belleville, um, learning from some of their great defensive coaches. Clearly, the offensive side of the puck is there. A really interesting, unique, and solid skater. I love to see that. So um, I think Willanen really makes a strong impact from the back end next season, and then uh, let's see Marcus Hogberg between the pipes pick up his first NHL win and actually kind of chip in with, uh, you know, what is it going to be? Maybe I don't know, twenty thirty starts next season. And I guess for, there's some guys like Brandstrom and Bathurst. Do you think they start on the NHL roster, or do you think they kind of get the same treatment that uh, Carlson or Shabak got, where they start in the AHL and and eventually make their way up just based off uh, how good they are? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's. A good call on sort of Ottawa's mo is uh, give these high-end prospects um, a couple months in the AHL to you know play all situations, a little bit less pressure maybe, um, a little bit of motivation to get back up. But I think it's also something where you know Ottawa's not in win-now mode, so they kind of use this 
um, AHL quote unquote demotion to uh, get another to get a better look at some other guys, then understand okay who can we move on from and then bring these guys up from right if if that kind of makes sense. So, so the next question we have is from friend of the show Spencer Blake, um, who you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and he asks. Which prospect graduating from junior slash NCAA will have the biggest impact on Belleville Senators in their rookie pro year? Interesting question. Interesting question. I think um, we've touched on a few of the names already, but I think uh, a few forwards jump to mind. Um, if, if Alex Formanton is there, his speed will be second to none pretty much in the American Hockey League. So uh, you got to think he'd be a wrecking ball down there um, creating opportunities opportunities getting under the skin of opponents if he's there and um you know like i said park kelly is going to be an interesting one to watch as would josh norris so uh again ask one question get three answers that's uh, that's the theme of this <laughs> listener listener feedback segment it just means they got a little good prospects you know <laughs> that, that's it that's it yeah Colin, uh, you want to take the next one? question comes from yeah uh third one comes from robert lennox uh, so followed Sens prospects for many years. They do amazing work. Agreed. Uh, what's the Sens' biggest disappointment and surprise prospect over the years? So any time from all the time you've been following these prospects. Oh man, I uh, that's a, that is a really good question. Um, I'm I'm probably going to. I I did not see this question ahead of time, so I didn't really. So I'm going to give you something off the cuff. Um, how does uh, how does Drake Batherson not really go? For from go for the surprise prospect just given where he was drafted uh although i guess you could probably make the same same argument for mark stone the fact that he actually turned out when his skating at the first sense dev camp when he came over was like yikes this guy is never going to sniff the nhl um that could be surprise prospect over the years maybe um i'm probably going to think of a better answer next time uh or after we we hop off and uh if i'm going for biggest disappointment um, someone that comes to mind would be this is a big throwback but uh, you guys remember was it Alexei Kygorodov yep. Russian prospect wasn't he the last Russian they took very vaguely he's got to be around that there was so much hype around him when he came <laughs> over and it was like yes I think he was doing really well in Russia and it's like basically Ottawa's parachuting in a free top six player here we go let's go and uh, I think they had Ilya Zubov around at the time, too. There was a couple Russians um, that were going to just create havoc in the NHL, and they just absolutely just didn't even didn't even register at the NHL level. So um, th- those are my off-the-cuff answers. I'll get back to Robert with uh, if anything else comes to mind. But that's a really good really good question. I love uh, love going down memory lane too in the in the prospect biz because you know it it really doesn't feel like that long ago when those. Uh, the other Swedish five that I mentioned earlier on when we were talking down in Binghamton, it, it feels like, you know, they were, they were the, the hot thing or even you know, Patrick Weirkoch, something like that. So I don't know. I'm just looking through his past numbers too. And yeah, like 49 points, in 57 games in this Ooh. draft West two year. And that's, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty amazing for, for a prospect. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> a bit of a throwback. Great question. But yeah, I'm 99% sure that's um, why, Auto hasn't really, or I'm pretty sure those are the last two Russians they've taken in the draft, and like I'm pretty sure that's why they haven't taken any since, and like they're really not even scouting the KHL. So, um, yeah, I guess they uh, they've you know sort of realized it's not worth it. 
if if you guys have never done it or it's been a while, I recommend trying to dig up Ilya Zubov's blog from when he was down in Binghamton and he oh, was boy. he was writing in Russian and someone was translating that on HF boards and it is comedy. <laughs> oh, a really no. interesting inside look at what the Sands Org was like at that time and how a Russian can feel when he's over, you know, in the American League for the first <laughs> time and that was that was pretty early days of social media and that sort of, you know, behind the curtains look of uh of pro hockey so um kind of toss that in as a little uh easter egg in here too interesting yeah i'll have to take a look um so last question comes in from scott crossman um i know colin can sort of give some answers here i have i'm i have no idea because i'm not a, a superhero fan but um so so scott crossman asks which avengers character would you associate each ottawa center's prospect with and why Oh man, I'm I gotta go. I gotta go with you, Spencer. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not up to date on the Avengers. I think I'm a few movies behind. Maybe if this had been a Game of Thrones question, I could have, I could have come up with some answers. But um, I would not do this any justice, and I I don't want to embarrass myself here. So if Colin's got any ideas, I'd say throw them out. Otherwise, Scott, good on you for the uh, the blended um, question with pop culture and sports. But I'm gonna have to let you down and say I I just don't know on this one. Quick rundown, Colin. I <laughs> I did a bit of preparation here. Yeah. Uh, for Iron Man, I think uh, Chase Bellis, he gets that award. Because <laughs> he, uh, he played 76 games this year. He, he's uh, really been injured. Even in the NCAA, he's been uh, very healthy. So he'll, he gets the Iron Man title. Uh, for Thor, um, there's no Norwegian prospects in the sense system, but I'll, I guess I'll give Eric Branstrom the nod because he's, I don't know, he's sort of close. Norway, Sweden, yeah, know, he, kind of connected. He looks, he looks pretty Scandinavian too, so that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Captain America, I mean, Brady Kachuk, who, who else can take it? Um, spider, for us, for Spider-Man, I got Alex Formanton, just because he's young and speedy. I like that. Uh, and for Doctor Strange, I gave this one to Nick Paul, just because he's very inconsistent and can kind of be up and down, so it can be kind of strange. And uh, last one, I think the Incredible Hulk, that will be Wilkin Brown, because one, he's incredible, and two, he's just massive. So that's uh, Sense of Avengers. That I think that's am- pretty solid. That's amazing. You you got to tweet that out, see if anyone else fires up some other answers. But that is really solid stuff. I like that. Yeah, I, I co-sign that. You should tweet that. Yeah. Will RT. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's been a great time having you on, Henry. Um, and before we sign off, is there anything you want to plug or let our listeners know about? Oh, it's been it's been great chatting with you guys. I, I hope to come back soon. And otherwise. Um, you know, uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but you can find AtSense Prospects pretty much everywhere else. So, you know, subscribe on YouTube, um, you know, like on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, there is a SenseProspects.com website that is uh, absolute trash, but you can sign up for an email <laughs> uh, newsletter on there. So I might be sending a couple uh, newsletters this summer. So if folks want to toss their email in there, they can do that. But uh, otherwise, it's just been great to talk to you guys and, uh, Keep up the great work with the pod. Great to be on. Great. Well, thanks again, Henry. Awesome. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can also rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And you can follow Colin at CubmoreColin and read his writing at Silver7Cents. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at CPPointcast, where we'll be collecting future listener questions. That's all for today. Adiós.